welcome to the I Believe podcast, a podcast created and funded by Acure Insight. Here, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatment, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll be back soon. Welcome back to the I Believe podcast. Uh, I am your host, Danae Peterson, and I am just going to be talking today kind of about a hard topic, but in light of the fact that this month is a Mental Health Awareness Month, I wanted to make sure that we covered this this month. Uh, I feel like it's important. I feel like it's been important for me in my journey, and I feel like the message that I've gotten from talking to a lot of you guys and posting in a few different Facebook groups about this um, is that it it's a it's a subject that it needs to be talked about, but it also is hard to talk about. So I want to talk today about the invisible burdens that we carry when we are a newly diagnosed patient of ocular melanoma, uh, when we are the family member of someone who is diagnosed with ocular melanoma, and also when we are you know the parent of a child who's been diagnosed with ocular melanoma. And you know, insert wherever you are on this relational scale, whether it's you who's been diagnosed or someone, whether you're someone who's supporting someone, a loved one, a friend, this all kind of is, it's some important awareness pieces. I hope for just communicating with each other and with other people. And I hope it gives you as a, as a patient, if you are one of those patients who is just feeling the burden of, you know, the weight of this diagnosis, I hope this gives you some of a voice um, to put voice to some of your feelings. And I can relate to most, if not all of these as a patient myself. I was diagnosed in July of 2020 and I feel a lot of these things. So uh, the graphic that I'm referring to, it was a post that I did. um, I've done it. I've shared it twice. I shared it on January 6th, 2022. And I also shared it as the 12th day of the 12 days of sight. So if you look back through our social media posts on Instagram, that's the fastest, easiest way to be able to see which of these posts that I'm referring to. So if it helps you, if you're a visual person, feel free to go back to those and um, look at those and check those out. And feel free to use these. You know, you can save these graphics. You can share them in any way that you would like. So I did a poll. Um, Basically, I, I asked the question. I said, if you could communicate or convey, you know, in a way that you can do here in this space of other patients, what are some of the burdens that you feel? And there were also people who were family members of patients or parents of patients who responded. And I took all of these responses that you guys gave me, and there were hundreds, hundreds of comments just of people, you know, validating each other. And it was so cool. Cool isn't really right, the right word, but I'm sorry. Generationally, I'm a 90s kid. So cool is my my definition. It was It was just extremely humbling to see you guys support each other and to see you come together and validate each other. And I, I think that that's something that's unique to being a part of this experience. So I'm just going to go through and I'm going to list some of these burdens. Maybe you can relate and maybe you can't. But these are the things that you, from the outside looking in to a patient with ocular melanoma or a caregiver of ocular melanoma, some of these things are not visible, right? They're not, they're not really perceptible to the eye. They're not physically perceptible or perceivable, I guess. One of these very common things is eye pain or having dry eyes. You know, that's, that's not something that I mean, you you feel that within your body and it, and it doesn't necessarily show in the same way that, that other side effects or other ailments can show. But that, that eye pain and that kind of that constant reminder of something is weird or different with my eye, right? The complete or partial loss of vision. So just doing, you know, having to do with our eyes in general and just that idea that something is different with our vision, whatever that looks like for you. And that is a living reminder, a reminder every day of what you've been through. You don't wake up and just forget 
I forgot that like I had my eye enucleated or I forgot that like I'm now blind or mostly blind due to retinopathy, radiation retinopathy. It's one of those things that is constantly kind of in your face because it, I mean, your eye is a part of your face. <laughs> so there's that. And then we've got some of the anxieties that we deal with, right? We've got scanxiety where we confront the feeling and the worry of what if this spreads every single time that we have scans, every time that a doctor wants to evaluate how we're doing now. And that scanxiety is a long-term thing. You know, that's that's not something that goes away because every single time, whether you're 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, three months into it, the fear resurfaces and it, it feels very fresh. At least that's that's what I've heard from lots of you guys. So that's what I feel personally, is that every time those scans come up, it feels very fresh. And with scanxiety, that part of that is confronting the unknown, this whole diagnosis, especially once your eye has been treated and you've kind of crossed that hurdle of having the eye tumor treated, then what? Because the unknown is real and the spread and the risk of the cancer coming back, it's just a fact of this kind of, it's how the science works. And confronting that unknown and that uncertainty and having no way for anyone to tell you that, you know, you're going to be okay and to really believe that that's a hard place to be, right? I know that I've felt that. I know I've talked to lots of other of you who have felt that. And it's a it's a challenging place to accept, right? To accept that as your reality. And, you know, we could argue like, yes, you know, any of us could die tomorrow. But sometimes that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that it still feels hard to confront that unknown and to sit with that uncertainty and to learn to accept it and to to somehow find a way to see it as a gift, right? Because the gift of, at least for me, the gift of the uncertainty is that I'm more present. I'm more present with the people that I love now. I cherish the moments that I have now. I cherish the relationships that I have now more. I value the time that I'm that I'm living right now today. So, you know, that's just maybe some food for thought. And we can confront depression, right? The trauma of going through a cancer diagnosis and then having the treatment happen and the whirlwind that it is to get the diagnosis, have all the appointments to confirm the diagnosis, get all of the follow-up scans, get all of the, you know, surgical things that need to happen for whatever surgical method is is used to treat this cancer. Like there's I've I've heard a few people say that it it kind of just you feel like you're in survival mode and then you survive it, right? You get through the end of the treatment and then your body just kind of has this and and all of your emotions, they've built up to this point where they haven't been able to be fully processed. And sometimes that the result of that can be that we feel the weight of depression, right? That we feel the weight of anxiety or the fear of getting sick or being a burden to others. Like those what ifs, those feelings, the the lack of feelings even, they're very real. And it's it's a challenge to confront that, right? That's that can that can have it its moments of being extremely taxing. And I think the result of that can be the depression that that some of us have felt and that I've seen some of the patients endure and that I know I know I have felt it myself. Just that feeling of feeling overwhelmed by getting out of bed and wanting to live my life and wanting to cherish and be grateful for the day. But sometimes it's too much to be able to be grateful, right? Sometimes all you can do is survive the day and then look back on that day and be grateful that you were able to survive that day and those feelings. There's, maybe just to switch gears a little bit, there's this fear of driving and this fear of the blind spots and the the burden of learning how to drive in a totally different way and learning how to accommodate technology, learning how to accommodate just everything, everything that comes with your eye changing, right? Something in your vision changing. There's vision strain during the use of technology sometimes. You might have sensitivity to light that others don't have or that you didn't used to have and other people aren't used to. I know when I was first diagnosed and treated that like I had a lot of visual overwhelm and stress, like things could be very overstimulating to me. And, I, and I've and i heard of patients who, you know, years down the line in treatment, that they're still 
things like like TV shows or shining light, flashing lights, those kinds of things can feel very overstimulating to our brains. And, and that's hard to communicate of like, okay, yeah, like this is, this is all an integral part of this diagnosis and of me living with ocular melanoma, right? We talk about that all the time. We, every story that I've ever had a patient come on here and share, like they talk about how they're, they're living with ocular melanoma. And to me, that means you're living with all of these invisible burdens. You're carrying all of these things. And I guess I I hope, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but I hope that you guys recognize how resilient that makes you as a person. And I hope that you recognize the gift that you are to the world because you get up every day. And I just, I hope, I hope you can let that sink in from someone else who maybe isn't the voice in your own head. (laughs) There's that feeling of fatigue that we, that we face that we feel more tired more easily, whether it's because of treatments that we're undergoing or just because of the adjustment to the vision change, like the the vision change and the adjustment to seeing only out of one eye, if that is the case for you. The reality of that is that's that's very challenging to adjust to for our, our brains. I mean, our brains can do it and they do figure it out, but it, it still is extremely difficult to initially, you know, and to kind of adjust to that. It's very, very taxing on our bodies. And so I just hope that you guys can honor yourselves if you feel that fatigue, whether it's now and you're newly treated or years later, and you're just feeling the fatigue and the weight of all of this, the combined weight of, or the cumulative weight, I suppose, of years and years of living with ocular melanoma. We've got the extra doctor's visits, all of the extra things, right? We go see doctors more frequently. Maybe you get shots for your eye, To go with that, because of the increased doctor's visits, there's the increase in medical bills, medical travel costs. And that's something that can can feel really difficult to convey to people. You're having to do all of these things to try to keep your sight or to try and stay alive. And you don't get any guarantees of any of it. And yet you're still, you know, shelling out money to try to do all of these things for yourself and to give your your body the best chance that it possibly can have. And and that's allowed to feel challenging. I think it's normal. I think it's very normal for that to feel challenging. Just as a side note, I hope for any of you who are in a financial struggle, that if you really truly do need the help, please reach out. And um, you can reach out to us and we can see what financial support we can offer you. There are ways to to have community lift you up in that way. Just know that that, that is there. And it's, it's reasonable to need that. And kind of just overall, I think the, this is kind of the last, the last slide that I shared. Overall, we have this intense pressure that we put on ourselves to keep up with our self-care to prevent, to, I think, subconsciously and or consciously, um, it, can, it can be with the intent and the hope and the desire that all of the self-care that we do will prevent this cancer from ever spreading. And I think it comes down to this need for certainty that we want, we want the assurance that what we're doing will work. And the unfortunate truth is that none of us can have that assurance and we have to get to a place where we can accept that so that we can live our lives fully, whatever that looks like. But you know, that the the self-care practices, you know, maybe some of these ring true for you is to do therapy or life coaching, to be involved in fitness or yoga or meditation, watching your healthy food intake and the pressure that comes with trying to eat healthier in hopes that, you know, you reduce the environment that cancer has to spread, holistic medicine, and all of the extra appointments that can come if you are pursuing holistic medicine, research and self-help books, clinical trial travel, or, you know, any kind of adjuvant or current clinical trial for metastatic spread that you are a part of, all of these things, they, they put an added pressure on us. And so I'm not pointing that out to discourage you from doing any of these things, but I am pointing them out so that you can be aware of them. Because I think that when we're aware of them and we understand the stressors and the pressures that, that we are under ourselves, 
that we are better able to understand kind of why we're in emotional turmoil when we are. Because the reality is that there are some days that are just plain hard and some days that we feel very invisible and that we feel very unseen and unheard. And um, that, that I think is the last thing that I want to touch on before I close today for you guys is that the most, one of the most challenging things to carry, I think with, with this diagnosis, I would argue that I think this is true of everything, of any hard experience that we go through in, in our lives is that lack of understanding of what we think is true, you know, true understanding from family and friends and from those who are closest to us. And I think that some of that is alleviated when we connect with community of people, you know, like through a Kieran site, through the Facebook groups, through local meetups who have a at least a parallel in in your dimension kind of an experience, right? They're their experience parallels your own. It's unique to them, but it, it has enough parallels to be relatable. But even within the circle of ocular melanoma, sometimes it can feel like we're alone. I want to share a quote with you guys that has been helpful in me, in my journey, and in just kind of something that I've realized that I have done for myself. And that I've realized is that that as hard as this is, and as much as I want other people in my life to be able to understand and to validate me, and I, I talk to them and I tell them what's going on and what I'm feeling. And sometimes that comes from a place of that I hope that they, you know, subconsciously, I hope that they'll be able to do or say something to help me feel a little bit better. What I've come to realize is that the only person who can give me that assurance and who can give me that validation truly is myself. When I recognize that, and I, I have to continually remind myself of this disclaimer, but when I do recognize that and I realize that my experience is so unique and so it's, it's so personal to me, I don't need anyone else to tell me that it's going to be okay or to tell me that it's okay to feel the way that I'm feeling or to tell me to try to look on the bright side or whatever it is that I hear from other people when I share what's going on and what I'm feeling. I don't, I don't need that from them for me to feel okay. Because I can hold myself and I can and I can understand and I can accept that it's a necessary lonely place to be sometimes. Because I think that sometimes the one person who can truly understand you the best is yourself. And to have the self-compassion, to hold yourself and to hold boundaries and to carry the load for yourself and to kind of step away from the hard part and the things that you're feeling and to honor yourself for what you're feeling. And just to honor yourself for the hard things that you're going through, the things, the hard days that you have, and to allow space for that. And to just, just kind of give yourself, I think, what we sometimes seek from other people. So the quote that I want to end with is from Brene Brown, and it's from a book called Braving the Wilderness. And she says, belonging so fully to yourself that you're willing to stand alone is a wilderness, an untamed, unpredictable place of solitude and searching. It is a place as dangerous as it is breathtaking, a place as sought after as it is feared. The wilderness can often feel unholy because we can't control it or what other people think about our choice of whether to venture into that vastness or not. But it turns out to be the place of true belonging, and it's the bravest and most sacred place that you will ever stand. And to kind of go along with that, I just have been remembering and recalling a few different, a few different helpful quotes and things. You are only free when you realize that you belong no place and every place, no place at all. The price is high and the reward is great. And then there is just this idea of holding my place, like holding myself in this space, right? Holding, holding myself and validating myself. And that's a, that's a skill that takes practice and that takes self-compassion. Uh, there's just, I can't quote it directly, but there's this, this idea, this remember, this thing to remember about, don't ask people for directions to places that they've never visited, to places that people have never been to. 
that other people have never visited. You know, ultimately, I think that's what this comes down to is that we have to get to a place where we recognize our experiences are so unique to us, so individual. The pain that we feel is so personal that true self-compassion comes when we recognize the duality that we are both held and alone in the wilderness that is the unknown of this and the burden of this cancer diagnosis. And that the biggest gifts can come from this diagnosis and this experience when we accept that no other person except for us can give us the validation for the pain that we feel. No one can give that to you but yourself. I think that, you know, braving that journey of self-compassion is, it's a big one. So I just, I honor you guys for being here, for listening, and just thank you for your feedback. Thank you for supporting each other in the best, you know, the ways that we can. And thank you for showing up for yourself in any way that you've done that today. I'm going to end with that, and I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. Feel free to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Insight. Thanks so much, and have a wonderful day.